morning again, everyone. Would you put your hands together for our first time guest today? Come on, we want to welcome you. If it is your first time, listen, we're not that church. We're not going to ask you to stand up. Forget about it. Stay seated. We just want to say thank you for worshiping with us, joining with us. Um, whether you're new to the faith or new to the church, we are uh, grateful that you're here. And we just want to, again, say thank you. We got a small gift for you. Uh, you may have got it on your way in. But certainly be sure to get it on your way out. We've got a little tent, a little table set up um, as you make your way to the car there. We want to hook you up. So please, please grab that. Well, today we begin a new series. We're going to be journeying through the next few weeks with one of the earliest, one of the earliest, everybody say earliest, one of the earliest statements of the Christian faith. So one of the earliest statements of the Christian faith. Faith. I don't know if you ever find yourself in conversation with others who get curious. They see the way you're behaving. They see the way you are so calm behind the wheel, somebody. They see how you treat your coworkers. They, they are in awe of how patient you are with your children and with your spouse. They see how generous you are to others, and they're intrigued. Where? Does this behavior come from? Yes, you. Where does this behavior come from? And they think to themselves, there's something different about you. You are way too happy. Is that the caffeine? And you're like, no. No, maybe a little caffeine, but it is this relationship I have with God. It is, it is, listen, I'm not born patient, but I have patience because of what I believe. I'm not usually this calm behind the wheel, but I found Jesus. And praise the Lord, I don't run red lights. I just speed up during yellow lights now because I'm being conformed to his image. And, and I used to be, man, I used to be stingy. Man, I used to be chasing the career uh, uh, platform and just strive and strive. But man, since I found Jesus, some things have changed, right? That happens. It's appropriate for that to happen because guess what? If you're a Christ follower, if you're not a Christ follower, you're off the hook momentarily. But if you are a Christ follower, people, what are they doing? They're, they're reading you. Like chances are 99% of the people this week, we're the only Bible they get to see, right? And so why we do what we do comes all the way back, follow me, comes all the way back to the what we believe. The what we believe. So early, early, early years of following Jesus, like not early years for me or early years for you, we're talking about 2,000 years ago, the church would gather. If you read the book of Acts, you've got Mark, or uh, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then a book called Acts. Luke is the writer of both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Acts of the early church. Actions that the early church took in response to some beliefs, to some realities, to some truth. You see, the early church didn't believe like Jesus was a ghost, okay? They didn't believe like God was seated a billion miles away on some far out planet. No, they had real life. Many of their beliefs were rooted, as we'll hear the phrase today, many of theirs was rooted in the, what's called the Old Testament or the First Testament about God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And we're going to spend some time journeying these next few weeks, kicking around these beliefs. Now, I'm not going to just like 
talk about my beliefs. I'm going to talk about one of the earliest Christian statements. One of, here's what's wild, one of the things that unifies us, for the most part, with the church down the road. It's called the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed. It was a substantive belief statement Along with the Lord's Prayer, you familiar with the Lord's Prayer? Along with the Lord's Prayer, before baptism, this would be given to new believers. Like new believers today, right? We can Google a whole lot of things. Aren't you grateful for Google? Come on. I guess I'm the only one. All right. You're grateful for all the information that you can just get real quick. Or maybe you get on Amazon. Man, it's like, man, I, I gave my life to Christ. Well, what's next? Bible. I'm going to buy a Bible. Come on, or you're, you're like me. Any significant moment in your life, you buy a Bible. Come on, some of you all do. You're just not raising But man, it was a good day. Bible. Man, it was great. My daughters were born. Bible. It's like, how many Bibles do you need? You know, but this Bible was given to me on my 21st birthday, everybody. And if I'm not careful, this Bible has been so well used that I'll lose Jeremiah all the way through Luke if I don't watch out. So be that as it may, new believers, new believers would be given, gifted the Lord's Prayer. Because keep in mind, they, they didn't have a Bible. Like, I hope that's not a shock to you. But, but new Christians, after Jesus was resurrected, new Christians, they, they didn't have a Bible except for the First Testament. And they would have to go all the way to the synagogue to learn about God. But then they also recognize, like, hold up, this whole First Testament, this whole uh, Old Testament is leading somewhere. Like, it's leading to the guy we met, who, who we thought it was over, like he died. We thought it was done. But then he rose again. And then a group of us, man, we were on the hillside, and uh, it got really strange, because he went up into the heavenly realm. And is seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh, oh, by the way, he's coming again. And the what determined why they did what they did. Like, why they started hospitals. Why Christians adopted orphans. Why an emperor in Rome would say, the Christians take care of the poor and marginalized better than the Roman Empire. Why? Because they believed, I believe, they believed certain realities, certain truths rooted, saturated in Scripture about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, literally empowering them to do what they did. So, you had no idea that the Apostles' Creed has influence on your driving, has influence on your parenting has influence on your generosity. Because here's the deal. If you don't believe Jesus, why waste any time with his words, somebody? Like, you, you too, you heard of you too? Don't, I'm asking you to raise your hands. You too, Bono. Bono would say, man, either Jesus is legit or he's a madman. He's, he's kind of right. Like, if you've read the Gospels, it's like, dude. You want me to give my life away so I can save it? Like, I don't know about the commercials you see. Ain't nobody saying that. I don't, I don't know about the docu-series you write or you watch, but ain't nobody like, you know, live for others. Humble yourself. 
You know, when somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. Like, well, what? what? That's ridiculous. Or it's truth. How you respond has to do with what you believe. The earliest church would gather consistently on Sundays, the Lord's Day, underground, because above ground, they'd be killed immediately by the Roman Empire. So they would meet. You can go to Rome today and visit what's called the catacombs. Been there, done that. Amazing. But I just thank God I don't have to have church. I'm glad they're historical site, because I don't know if I could do it. I'd be like, man, where's the coffee and donuts? Come on. Where's the air conditioning? Where's the heat, for goodness sake? Because it was underground in burial sites. I mean, you talk about creepy. Listen, we're getting into the creepy months, everybody. It was legit creepy. But they would gather, and here's what they would do. Sometimes they would have a letter. It would just be a letter written by Paul or Peter or Jude or the half-brother of Jesus, James, or Hebrews. You know, then the New Testament, these letters would show up, and they would, they would pray. They had prayers to pray, the Lord's Prayer being one of them. They would reflect. You know, they would talk about what God's doing in their life. Like, man, I got that job. You know, we talked about praying about, hey, I got healed. You know, we talked about that. Hey, uh, listen, they didn't burn my house down this week. Praise God. You know, and they would sing. You know, they'd start singing, praise. All right. They would, they would just get their worship on. They'd get their scripture on. And then they would, they would, they would say the Apostles' Creed. Creepy style? No. They would confess. Here's the thing. There are times in our life we confess what we believe. Like, we don't lead with that. When I'm talking to somebody that, that may not know the Lord, I'm not like, listen, can I just share my set of beliefs with you, please, real quick? You know, brrr, go through the Apostles' Creed. No. But what I can do is explain why I do what I do. There's a differentiation. There's a difference between us, right, and people who don't yet follow Christ. We carry the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Well, why would I carry the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Because we believe the Holy Spirit given to us, given to us, given to us. We confess that in our faith. Well, why, 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 why do we believe in a Father God? That's, that's kind of crazy. Well, 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 we're not making it up as we go along. We got a statement of beliefs. Now, some of you are new. Some of you visited. I know you. You visited our What We Believe page before you ever came in the church. You're like, hey, I just want to make sure they're not crazy. Just want to make sure they smile. You know? No, but you, but you did come. Hey, there are some of you who came and you were like, man, I do want to make sure they're not crazy. Like a little crazy, but not crazy crazy, you know? There's a What We Believe. It's a significant page for us because people, here's the deal. People do life around beliefs. There's some people in your career, you believe a certain way the world works. You have certain priorities, certain responsibilities. You work on a team, and you're hoping, you're hoping they all believe along the same lines. In fact, some unmet expectations are when our beliefs are different. Come on, let's have fun with this. Come on. You, you know premarital counseling? It's really just talking about your beliefs. You ever heard of gender roles? You ever only hear about gender roles after you're married and you realize, oh, wait, if you're like me, well, hey, my mom used to do this. Why ain't your mama? 
Oh. Well, I wasn't saying you were my mom. You know what I mean? What I, where, where was I wrong? My beliefs. I was living in heresy, somebody. I'll just say that. I had all this weight of expectation. Can I tell you something? There are reasons why we respond, why we react, why we do missions, why our outreach, why we try to make such a difference locally. Man, we believe, we believe specific realities. So, today, we're not going to cover the whole thing. We're going to take some weeks. Today, we're going to look at one line. Here's the deal. If you're new to the Apostles' Creed, it's three parts. We get the Father, we get the Son, we get the Holy Spirit. Who gets the most? The Son, clearly. He's got a, he's got a few paragraphs. And then the Holy Spirit. The Father, he gets a couple lines, all right? He gets a couple lines, but they're significant. Here's what they say. Here's what they say. You saw it earlier on the screen, but it says this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Like, here is a simple, simple, maybe too simple, but I'm going to say it nonetheless. A simple way of understanding the first testament. All right? God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Here's what's radically Christian about that phrase. Y'all going to learn something today. Come on, tell your neighbor, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. If he don't bore me, I'm going to try to learn. No, don't tell him all that. But Radically Christian. Here's what Hindus would never say. Here's what Muslims never say. In fact, here's what Jews will not say. It's what our Messiah said. Father, Father, it is radically Christian to experience God as a loving, heavenly Father. Radically, radically. And that's not me being like complex or, you know, trying to get your attention. No, it's radically Christian. There is a heavenly Father. Jesus' mission, twofold. First part, we read most of it in the Gospels, all over. Most of your Gospels is one thing. Jesus revealing the Father. And then the other half, it is Passion Week, everybody. All of that, which is vitally significant. But Jesus came to reveal the Father. In fact, you could follow a thread that on the cross... Why and how on earth did he get there? He spoke about the Father. And the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and religious leaders wanted nothing to do with it. They called it heretical, said he was crazy. And in fact, they turned the empire, the local empire, against him. They crucified him unjustly. And yet Christians from the earliest days said, we understand God as a loving, heavenly Father. What, where, where are you getting off like that? Jesus, the Son, reveals the Father. Here's some passages. Here's some scriptures just for you to write down, to meditate on, to think about a little bit. Here's some of Jesus' own statements. Matthew 11, verse 22, okay? Hold in front of you. This reality about the Apostles' Creed, that first line, okay? I believe in God, 
Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, hear Jesus. Here he is in Matthew eleven twenty two. All things have been committed to me by who? My Father. No one knows the Son except the And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Here's a little Bible 101 tip. New to the faith, I want to know who God is. I want to know how God operates. I want to know how God loves me. Go to Matthew. Go to Mark. Go to Luke. Go to John. Go to the book of Acts. and Get it deep in your heart. Because if you don't, and you flip over to Moses, you're going to scratch your head. You're going to think God's angry, ticked off, and wants nothing to do with you. It's okay. It's okay. It works for a little while. But you've got to encounter the heart of the Father. Here's the deal. The Apostle Paul, if you're unfamiliar with the story of Paul, the Apostle in the book of Acts, he was killing Christians because of some passages in the Old Testament. And then he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, somebody. What happened in the encounter? Well, we get a little bit of it, but the Holy Spirit revealed to him the heart of the Father. So on his way to murder himself, some Christians, he encountered the heart of the Father and realized, ooh, I'm way out of line. And when the church gets it right, they ain't killing other people. They ain't pointing the finger and condemning other people. They ain't mad at other people. They're revealing the loving, compassionate, kind heart of the Father. And that's what's so radical about this. All the other religions, they get what they want. Christianity says, this creator God, the one who spun the planets into existence, the one who with the telescope, we can see some of his detail in the sky. Who, who that? Who that? Who did that? The Father. The Father Almighty. Here's what's so mind-blowing about Jesus. He says, the Father is your reason to not worry about a thing. The Father is a reason you don't have to be all up in this. You can be at rest knowing he's going to work all things together. The Father, he's crazy. He stands in for the sin and the consequences you deserve. He lovingly gave his son. That's what's wild about this father. Because here's the thing. In the Roman Empire, they'd be like, that's crazy. All the gods, they'd be angry with us. Zeus, Mars, Venus, Hercules. Man, we got some Greek mythology stories, and none of them want anything to do with us. Well, let me tell you about God the Father, revealed in the Son, Jesus Christ. And let me tell you about the Holy Spirit that birthed the church and empowers the church. And let me tell you, in a few years, we're going to have hospitals. In a few years, women are going to be validated like never before. Children that used to, believe, used to be left in heaps, piles outside the city when the parents didn't want them, guess what? Us Christians are going to go and adopt them. And the first adoption agencies will begin because of what we believe and who we believe in. 
It's transformative for how we live and how we operate. And Jesus set the model. Like, let's just say it. Jesus set the model. All things have been committed to me. No one knows the Son except who? The Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Beautiful. Calm down, everybody. John 1.18. No one has ever seen But God, the one and only, being Christ, what did he do? Who is at the Father's side has what? Made him known. Like we live in the best times possible. Because we live in the season of earth history and human history when we get to know the Father because of the Son. Like some of these people in the Old Testament, man, they're the ones Jesus had to go get. But we, we're on the other side. The fulfillment, the promised ones, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. It's mind-blowing emoji. Amazing. No one's seen God. No one's seen God. And I'm not saying it makes it easy-peasy. There's some things in the New Testament that, listen, I'm like, Jesus, i got to go with you. Because I'm reading this, and... First, as Christ follows, we get rooted in the revelation of the Father through the Son. I don't have permission to go places without Jesus giving me the understanding. Jesus reveals the true heart of the Father. And I've seen, I've seen, I have seen some generations, I've seen some believers move away from the faith because they did not recognize Jesus is the one revealing the heart of the Father. Now, before you just think, Jesus is all these softy, you know, carrying lambs in his hand all the time. He is that. But he's also the God who says, listen, I don't condemn you. That's the heart of the Father. I don't condemn you, but here's the deal, y'all. Go and sin no more. Like, I accept you, but I'm not going to affirm all that. You need, to, you, need, you need to become who I've called you to become. This is Jesus. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who's at the Father's side, has made him known. John 5, 19. Josh shared this in the ministry moment of all things. We hadn't even talked. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Like some of you, like let's just be honest. I'm not saying some of you. It's not you. It's the people near you. Some of you. You used to go to church, and the pastor was sweating like crazy by now. He had that ring of sweat, and you sat there thinking, man, he sure knows a lot about hell. I wonder if he grew up there, and he used to point his Bible at you, and you were like, me? And he's like, you. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God, what are you? And you turned to live, man. 18, you were, you moved across country. I love you, mom and dad. I just, it's the pastor in your town, man. He is scary. (laughs) He knew vengeance. He knew wrath. He knew anger. What'd he do? He jumped into Moses, jumped into Joshua. He jumped into some of the more difficult, true, but difficult passages of Scripture. And he just bypassed Jesus, the Son, whose mission was to reveal the heart of the Father, somebody. 
I digress. Some of you are like, I wish you could yell some more. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. John 14, 8 through 9. Let's put this in real time. A conversation's taking place. And listen, Philip, he's speaking up on behalf of me. Like, I'm this guy. Like, I'm a note taker. I'm like, if, if pastor said there are three points, I got to be able to write down all three points, fill in every blank, and then I want to read the books that he said influence his message. Like, I, like, so Philip is doing a little bit of that with Jesus. He's like, listen, listen. <laughs> man, you keep talking about this father. Like, like, come on, man, show us your daddy. Like, just show him. Just, just show us your daddy. Philip's like, listen, all this mysterious talk. Hmm, like, what do you even mean? You know, like, is there a translation? Can we listen? What, what, what's the deal? Why do you keep ringing on about your father? We want to see him. And I'm a little bit like that, following along Philip here. And Jesus lovingly says, Philip, don't be stupid. Don't be dumb. You've been with me all these years. Come on, man. Snap out of it. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah, yeah, one more time. Jesus, would you, here's the deal. Would you just show us the Father? Because what we had heard was, what we had seen was, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, so Philip, when you saw the crowds wandering like sheep without a shepherd, and, and you saw my heart moved with compassion to feed the 5,000 plus, that was the heart of the Father. Like, Philip, hey, Philip, you remember, you remember, listen, you remember when we were at the temple and it got x-rayed real fast? You remember they brought in that prostitute? And, and I was you know, writing some things in the sand. And they were like, let's stone this, let's stone this lady. And you remember what I said? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, I remember what I say. He who is without sin, you go ahead, you go first. Well, you remember what they did? Yeah, they all dropped their stones and took off. Yeah, yeah. And then you remember what I said? Yeah. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You remember that? That was, listen, yes, that was me, but that was the Father. That's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of the Father. And then Jesus in Luke 15, perhaps some of the most profound, profound teachings on the heart of the Creator God who loves His creation is the three lost parables. First, there's a lamb that goes missing. The Father is radically consumed with a lamb that got stuck. And he leaves the 99 to chase after the one. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Y'all, I don't know where you come from, but that's easy math for me. Like, nah, you know, we'll just let it go. It's like you go, you know, some trips when you pack so much luggage, I'm like, hey, we don't need that suitcase. Just leave it behind, man. It ain't that big of a deal. Oh, it was my clothes? That's a big deal. You know what I mean? But Jesus, God's like, God's like, listen, 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 listen. I care about that one. I care about that one. You know that enemy you have, the one you hate and despise and have ridden off and shut him down? And man, you got a whole book about it? I do. Yeah, I love him. I love him. You know the guy who got what he deserved coming to him and you were a little happy about it? Yeah, I remember that. That was pretty cool. 
Yeah, I love him. I love him. Why do you love him? Because I created him. Like I created him. Like before a day came to pass. You know, do you know about his upbringing? You, you know how hard that was? Yeah. Yeah. I created him. I was with him even in the hardest moments. So don't write him off. I'm the creator of God. And you, my child, you extend that love. So we got the lost sheep. We get the lost coin, which is radical. And then probably most of our favorites, unless it's just me, the lost son. And Jesus shares this parable about a father and two sons. And the two sons are, you know, they are what they are. And the youngest son, typical youngest son, you know what I mean? Come on, give it up for those last in the birth order. Anyhow, he goes, hey, can I have my inheritance early? Which we just read like, oh, that's cool. But basically it's saying, hey, dad, I want to ruin your reputation locally. And I want you to shut me off and I want to shut you off. Because here's the deal. I wish you were dead so that I could have the money. Like they make movies about it now. And he got the money. The father, he's, he's, the father is prodigious. He's prodigious. He's prodigal. He's reckless in his generosity. He gives the son his inheritance. And you know what happens? The son, he doesn't invest the money. He doesn't even, listen, he doesn't even do some bad investments. He wastes the money. Let's go back to the 80s. He wasted on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Repeat, 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 repeat. Money's gone. Finds himself in a pickle, worse than a pickle. Finds himself in a foreign land, despised, rejected, and he's eating out of the pig's food. And he has this thought, man, maybe I'd be better as a servant in my father's house. Like they, listen, they at least get some porridge. They at least get some milk. They at least get a little bit of cheese every once in a while. It's better than this slop. And he makes his way home. And here's where the story gets radical. Because you would anticipate a laundry list of wrongdoing. A laundry list of offenses. A laundry list of, listen, I knew you would do that. And here's what happens. Luke 15. While he was still a long way off, his father caught a glimpse of him out of his eye. And he was moved with anger. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He's moved with clenched fists and gnashing of teeth. Some of y'all know that God. Jesus didn't. His father was moved with pity. He ran to the boy, clasped him in his arms, and kissed him. The father said to his servant, Quick, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the calf we've been fattening, kill it. We will celebrate by having a feast because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. Philip, that's the heart of the father. You heard me say it. You can trust it and believe it. The creator God from millennia past at that time. You can encounter him and know him as a loving father showing compassion, showing mercy, 
And Philip, you don't know it yet, but I'll be hanging up on the cross. And I'm going to make a crazy statement that you may have never heard before. I'm going to ask my father to forgive those who put me here. That is a compassionate, gracious, loving, abounding in mercy father. That the first testament hints at. I'm not going to do a bunch of exegetical work in this series. But Jesus as our sponsor leads us into the story of God from all the way in Genesis all the way through that first testament. But God as Father is revealed in the Son. You're like, okay, I'm ready to eat. I get it. Two minutes. Maybe five. Not ten. Let me go. Let's make it, let's make it real. Let's make it real. Something sweet happened between me and my daughter last week. I have two daughters. One is 12, one is seven. This was with the seven-year-old. So in our home, Sunday morning, we all get ready. Kelly comes to the church with our 12-year-old. I come to the church with my seven-year-old. I typically, if I'm on my A game, try to let her know She's really, really loved. I just make a statement or two. My statement recently has been, hey, Emma, if I line up all the seven-year-olds in the whole world, girl, I'm coming after you. You're going to be my daughter. You're the one I love. Today, I said, Emma, girl, that dress and that sweater, it would only take me five minutes to look over all the seven-year-olds and know that you, girl, that's bright and pretty. I let her know. I let her know. Okay, you know. As a parent, you're like, okay, great. Hope it goes somewhere. Maybe not. Well, someone came up to her, and you know, Emma, <clears throat> Emma has what we call a personality that for many might be agreeable and for others maybe disagreeable. Well, she had someone come up to her and say, you know, childhood. Say, Emma, uh, I'm so mad at you. Why won't you do what I want? You know, Emma, hmm, you have no friends, you know. Y'all acting like you never said that to somebody. Come on, y'all. Come on, man. We in church. Listen, you know, you know, you know, as a kid, you have no friends, Emma. And Emma goes, well, well, why this morning did my dad at Coffee Crossing, why did he tell me he would line up all the seven-year-olds and pig me? I got friends, starting with my daddy. I was like, that's so sweet, Emma. Oh, my God. You're going to make your daddy cry. <laughs> I was like, ba- baby, I don't know how, but we're going to buy you a pony. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm. I heard someone say one time, when God gets up in the morning, he's made his coffee, and he's going to get the milk. He opens up the refrigerator. He's got a picture of you with that magnet saying, my beloved. You God's beloved. How can I say that so confidently? Jesus told me so. You're loved by God. He treasures you. He's wanted nothing but his best for you. Some people have broken that down in your life. You've been a victim in some way or another of the dark side of people. It's called sin. It's the sin cycle. But the earliest church believed 
in their confession of faith that all through human history, God has been on the move. And they believed that the God of the First Testament, he's not different than the God found in Jesus. They revealed that his heart is love and compassion. As Psalm 103 would say, as far as the east is from the west, so far as your father removed your sins from you. Psalm 103 would also say, God is slow to anger. He is incredibly patient and kind. That's the father we get to encounter. I'll make it more real. There are days I get down. I start believing some lies, start believing some circumstances. I start believing some of my own mistakes, my own broken places. But because I've done enough days with enough spiritual disciplines, I settle my heart down and I enter the presence of God. Like Hebrews says, we can boldly come before the throne of grace because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so I get to sit with my father and hear him tell me he loves me, that I am his beloved, that he set me apart, that he has good days ahead, that my past doesn't have to define me. And man, there's times he's got to pull me by the ear and say, listen, son, get it together. It's a loving father. As Hebrews would say, what loving father does not discipline those <laughs> he loves. But you know what it's all for? For our good. Know that God loves you. Know that his love for you is a shield against the lies and the whispers of the evil one. The early church knew this, that even under desperate and dire situations, when they were being physically persecuted, not politically persecuted, talk about some physical persecution with some blood that would cost their very lives. They were able to stand at peace because of the affection that came from the Father. God longs for you and I to live in such peace, to live with such hope. See, man, where do you get all that from? I believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord, for your love that we encounter through Christ. We thank you that you are not distant, but you are near. We thank you that you are not opposed to us, but you are lovingly for us. Just right where we are, we confess, God, if our hearts have been far from you, we repent. And we ask that you would forgive us of our sins and you would renew our minds to be focused on you. Father, some of us bring some real practical needs to our life. We got some money needs. We got some emotional needs. We got some wounds, some hurts. We need you to be the Father Jesus spoke of. We need you to provide. We need your blessings. We need your protection. We need your healing. We need your hope. We need your mercy. For some of us, God, we just need a new start. 
So we ask, Lord, we want to start with you. Come into our lives. Save us. Set us free. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Empower us, Lord, to be your light in the world around us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all were awesome.